Good morning, Hope Vale. If you would now please stand with us and sing. Welcome on this beautiful Advent morning.
we thank you for that message. The angel sent the shepherds. Glory to God in the highest. Peace. Lord, we thank you that um, we can relate to shepherds who were a nervous wreck uh, when they saw angels above them saying that uh, something amazing has just happened. And God, God deserves all the glory for it. God, you, you do this you do this renewal thing in our hearts every day and every week. Every time we're able to come to church, you can renew us in our heart. So could today be a day where we say glory to God in the highest in a way where we're, we're mindful that you've, you're doing something new in our heart and in our lives and we're giving you glory for it. So God, we thank you for the day. We thank you for what you've given us so far. And if you didn't give us anything else, even up and up until now, we'd be, we'd be blessed enough just for what you've done for us through your son. Help us to be a thankful people. We love you, Lord. And we gather today to be a thankful people. And we gather today to say our glory in the highest. It's in your name we pray. Amen. God bless you, friends. Glad you're here on this Christmas season at Hope Vale. My name is Billy. I'm the worship pastor. Glad you're around. Hey, before you sit down, say hi to somebody around you for just a second, and we'll see you back in a moment. Thanks. Good morning again, everybody. Hey, when I came out on stage, I was like, wow, this is a packed house, which is awesome. It might not be as awesome for people in the back trying to grab a seat. And so if you just take a moment and scoot to the center of the row, we would really appreciate that to just uh, create some more seating for others as they're coming in. Well, hey, my name is Adam Harbaugh. I'm the outreach pastor here at Hopevale, and just you know, really glad that you guys came out this morning to worship with us. And so thank you so much for being here, especially if you're a first-time guest. We just want to give you a special welcome. And uh, if it is your first time, I'd encourage you to stop by the Welcome Center in the lobby, and we have a special gift for you there. Uh, so again, thanks for coming. Well, hey, uh, Christmas is like two weeks away at this point, which is insane. And uh, I want to remind you about our Christmas services that we have coming up. Now, this is important because Sunday, December 23rd, there are no morning services, okay? So that day, our services will be at 5 and 7 p.m. And then Monday, December 24th, three more identical services at 1, 3, and 5. So as you're making your plans uh, this Christmas, we really hope that you and family and friends will uh, find the time to pick one of those services and come out and worship uh, the birth of Jesus with us here at Hopevale. Um, and there are cards at the Welcome Center as well with those service times on them if you'd want to take one of those home or, or pass them out to uh, coworkers or neighbors, anybody else that you might want to extend that invitation to. When you came in this morning, you also had one of these Christmas outreach offering envelopes on your chairs, and I just want to talk about that for a couple minutes. We, uh, this has been an incredible kind of a tradition here at Hopevale that we started back in 2010 when we first uh, occupied this new facility at the time, and the heart behind this offering is just what it says. It's all for others. We give with the intention to just give it all away to people and organizations outside the walls of this church so that the work of the gospel can, can be unleashed out in the community locally and globally. And since uh, we've given to this fund, we have given over $1.1 million in that time frame, which is incredible. And it has written so many stories of impact. Yeah. 
One of the challenges with all of the impact that it makes is telling all those stories. We can't tell them all, but we did put together a little video to recap one of those. So let's take a look at the screen. Pastor Adam here. Uh, we want to share with you some stories of impact through the Christmas outreach offering. And to help tell that story, I'm here with Dwayne Seiler, who uh, with him and his can-do crew do a lot of work out in the community to make a difference in the name of Jesus. And so Dwayne, can you just tell us a little bit about the ways that the Christmas Outreach Offering Fund has unleashed you and your group to make a difference? Well, uh, this project right here, the Community Village, it was uh, three or four months worth of uh, uh, getting together and uh, every morning uh, working on this project. It, it, uh, and it came out really, really well, as you can tell in the pictures. Um, we've gotten several, several uh, other projects we've done. Uh, for example, uh, wheelchair ramps and uh, you know bathroom remodel and that kind of thing. Uh, and it's all just it's just good stuff. And, and people are just so uh, pleased to have us there and uh, being able to help. It's just it's just awesome. It's really been a, a great experience for us. And I think we actually gain more from it than uh, than, than the people do. It just it's just it's so rewarding to us. So. Dwayne, those are great examples of just how it, uh, you know, you as a group have taken those funds and put your gifts, skills, and passions to use to make a difference in the community. And so together, we just want to say thank you so much for giving to the Christmas Outreach Offering and for the way that it helps uh, unleash the work of Christ in our community. So thank you. It's a great story, a great example of just how those funds are put to use, and it, it's written over and over and over again with so many other groups at Hopevale. So again, just want to express our gratitude to you for catching the vision of that, for giving to it, and then if you're part of a group here at Hopevale who, who utilizes those funds to bless others, we just want to thank you guys for doing that as well. So as you take the envelope over the next couple weeks, you have the opportunity actually to give to the Christmas Outreach Offering through the end of the year. We just encourage you to take some time to think, talk, and pray about what your contribution to this would be this year, uh, just as that gives us the opportunity to be set up really well in 2019 for the work that God has in front of us as a church. Uh, so I want to invite the ushers to come forward now as we give today's offering. And uh, just, you know, what a, a reminder and a privilege it is for us to be a part of a community here that has a heart for others. You know, it's not all about what happens inside the walls of these church. It really is a matter of helping to mobilize this, this body of people to make a difference out in the community in the name of Christ. And we do all of that because we know the impact that God has made in our own lives. And why would we want to keep that to ourselves, right? We are called to share that with others. And so our giving today is just an extension of that. So let's go to the Lord in prayer as we prepare to give. Lord, thank you so much for who you are and just the way that you invite us into uh, your community called the church. And so, God, we, we are here this morning to lift your name on high, uh, to give you the praise and the worship, the glory and the honor that you deserve. And, Lord, through that, would you just continue to speak into our lives, uh, speak to the deep places of our hearts of encouragement and challenge, and, God, just all of the things that you know that we need most. And so, God, may our, our spirits just be lifted up and encouraged by being here in this place this morning. 
to give you the praise. And so, God, as we give of uh, finances, Lord, we just pray that you would take these and multiply them for your kingdom. And again, just thanks for the opportunity that we have uh, as a body to give towards that effort at this place called Hopevale. God, we love you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, holidays always makes me think about uh, everybody bringing their dish to the table. Uh, if you do potluck dinners at home or whatever with you do with family, but I got to thinking about how, uh, you know, wise men are bringing offerings and they're bringing what they can. And so you're giving what you can right now and doing what you can for the Lord and, uh, for the ministry of, uh, what God's doing here at Hopevale Church. And we're grateful. So, uh, here's a fun little jam we thought about this week. Wise men walking and I saw they're bringing offerings to the potluck supper with the shepherds talking about the angels really talking about the potlucks up with the baby mm, you gotta pass that dish you gotta pass that dish you gotta pass it on down gotta pass it on down what's in that dish what's in that dish you gotta pass it on Heard there's life in that dish. You gotta pass it on down.
The shepherds torn about the angels really talking about the potluck supper with the babe. something very exciting for our church family that's coming up beginning Sunday, January 13, 2019. We are going to do a sermon series, 13 weeks, on the New Testament book of 1 John called Confidence in the Chaos. Yeah, really excited about this series, Dan. And as part of the series, we're going to offer three special opportunities for everyone at Hopevale. And the first is a 1 John journal. On Sunday, January 13th, you'll get a journal for this series. It will be yours to use, to listen to the message, to have some private time with the Lord, to read the passage for the week, and then reflect and respond, and finally to discuss it with others. And a journal will help make the Bible approachable and personal. And what a great thing that is. Yeah, I love that. And the second opportunity that we're offering is the chance to be part of a discussion group. Now, many of you are already part of a community group and the community group will use the First John Journal for the series. But if you have not yet been part of a group or you just want to test the waters a little bit, a discussion group is a great way to go. You can get more information on D groups today. You can also sign up today if you'd like. And I love how a six week commitment is, you know, a low commitment and it's something that you can try. And I think you'll discover that talking about the Bible with others will not only grow you closer to others in our church, but grow you in your faith as well. Absolutely. And the final thing is, is a little deeper dive into 1 John. It's a Sunday night class that we're offering. It's really a workshop using 1 John and we're calling it Digging Deeper in Your Bible. And between the journal, the discussion groups, and the class, there's really something for everyone. There really is. And so make sure you get the First John Journal. Uh, think about, sign up for, get information on a D group. And you can do that today at the info desk. And then consider signing up for the Digging Deeper class as well. This is gonna be a milestone experience for us as a church because there is a confidence that we can experience in Jesus in the midst of our chaotic world. And so we're looking forward to us discovering that in new and deeper ways as a church family. So I know it seems a little strange to be talking about January with Christmas just a couple weeks away, but we just wanted to seed plant today and let you know about this upcoming series in January through the book of 1 John from the New Testament 
called Confidence in the Chaos, and because we really think that this is going to be a transformational experience for us as a church family. So now, we just want you thinking, planning, praying about your involvement with this series. Uh, you heard Pastor Ken talk about uh, journals that we'll use personally, about D groups where we can discuss what God is showing us through his word together, and classes, and much more. So that's coming up, and we'll talk about it more as the series gets closer. For now, just be open, right? Just be open and anticipate what God wants to do in your life with the new year rolling around in 2019 and what we will see and experience together as a church family. So that's what's coming up. But today, just want to say good morning again. I'm Dan Davis, senior pastor here at Hopevale. Want to welcome those of you uh, joining us in Bay City as well. And let me just say this I love what God is doing in you and through you. We are coming up on our one-year anniversary in Bay City, and it is tremendous to hear about all the wonderful God stories that are happening there, and so keep up the good work, Bay City. Today, we're going to continue our series entitled Heaven on Earth, Heaven on Earth, and it's been a series to both challenge and encourage us to look at the Christmas story through supernatural eyes, Supernatural eyes that there really is more to this world than just this world. That the historic events of Jesus being born in Bethlehem in a stable is the Almighty bringing together the seen and the unseen world, the earthly and the eternal. That heaven has broken through into our world like never before. And so to continue on today, I want us to walk through an extended and yes, a familiar portion of scripture that recounts the essence of what really happened that very first Christmas. The passage is found in the Gospel of Luke. And, you know, these previous two Sundays, both Pastor Sam and I walked through the first chapter of Luke, right? And we read these stories about two surprise pregnancies involving women named Elizabeth and Mary, but then also two very special destinies for the sons that they were carrying, right? John and Jesus. And with Jesus, Luke tells us in chapter one of his gospel that there was an angel named Gabriel. He shows up in a town called Nazareth, and he informs this engaged, devout, young Jewish woman named Mary that she would supernaturally conceive a child who would one day fulfill all the Old Testament prophecies about a promised Messiah to come, a Messiah who would be for all people, all people both then and now, all people, you, me, all of us. That is why Jesus came. Remember this from last week, chapter 1? Luke says, The angel Gabriel said to Mary, You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus, which we learn elsewhere in Matthew, which means the Lord saves. Right? He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. Verse 32, The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. His kingdom will never end. And when I read that, I think of uh, the writer of the New Testament book of Hebrews who says that all the heroes of the Old Testament, people like David, people like Jacob, 
and all the stories we hear of God's people, that they are merely shadows. Shadows, but Jesus, he is the substance. So he is not just a king, he is the king. He is not just a deliverer, he is the deliverer. He is not just a savior, he is the savior for all people, right? But this is the story of heaven breaking through like never before. And so let's continue on this morning and see what happens next. And we'll pick things up in Luke chapter 2. Now, you might remember last week what I told you about the gospel writer Luke. Luke the doctor, Luke the detail freak, right? And so as he tells the story of what happens that very first Christmas, this is the way that he describes it. Luke chapter 2 verse 1 says this, that in those days Caesar Augustus, who is the emperor, issued a decree that a census should be taken in the entire Roman world, that this is the very first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. Now, this is the detail freak Luke at his finest, right? There's history, there's context, there's names, there's geographical places, right? Verse 3, and everyone went to their town to register, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was to be pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now, let's be honest, all right, that most of what we just read there seems pretty normal, doesn't it? That if you didn't know anything about the Christmas story before and you just heard those first seven verses from Luke chapter two for the very first time, you would conclude that it is a very detailed account of history, ancient history, of a mom giving birth to a child. That's how it reads. You have governmental authorities, we have those. You have population census taking. We've got those too, right? And then you've got towns and cities that are specifically named. You've got family genealogies. You've got expectant parents, all pretty normal stuff. Now, I guess there is, yes, the hardship with the actual delivery. Mary wasn't in her own home, which would have been the preference back in that day. But that stuff happens today, right? You hear stories, right, of the, the, the parents in the car pulled off on the side of the road because they were on the way to the hospital and they didn't quite make it, right? Children born in cars, children born on airplanes, children born in Walmart superstores, right? Clean up on aisle five. Happens all the time. See, here's my point, that Jesus came into this world in a way that feels very normal, very earthly, very relatable, so much like the way we were born. And so that a part of this Christmas story we need to understand is rooted into this world, our world. And yet, there's another part of the story that is very much connected to another world, to a heavenly world, to a world, like I said last week, of such pure goodness. It's unlike anything we've ever experienced before. 
a goodness so pure that the very best that this world has to offer pales in comparison to this other heavenly world. And so Luke, as he continues with this story, reminds us of that other world in the very next verses, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. So Luke takes us from the stable to the field. He introduces us to some blue-collar guys working the night shift, doing their job, right? Again, pretty normal stuff, but all that is about to change, verse 9. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them that there is more to this world than just this world. And when this happened, they were terrified, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And what is this good news of great joy for all the people? Here it is, that today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Here it is, the promised Messiah. He's here, just down the road that heaven has broken through like never before in the most unusual, in the most supernatural way possible, and yet in another way, very normal, very relatable. A mom giving birth to a child, right? See, this is what's so unique about the Jesus we worship. Because in some ways, he really is so much like us. And yet in other ways, we couldn't be any more different. This is the miracle of what's known as the incarnation. The incarnation that Jesus, the eternal Son of God, takes on frail humanity and he lives on this same earthly terrain that we inhabit today. The divine Messiah lying in a lowly manger. It is the miraculous merging of worlds, right? A merging that the prophets predicted but no one saw coming. No one, and so you have this angel of the Lord proclaiming, accompanied by this brilliant glory that's radiating all around, letting these clueless shepherds know that heaven has broken through into their world. It is here, it is now, it is really happening. And just to make sure that they knew, and that we knew as well, that God was up to something really big, something really special, something really unique, something even more dramatic. Look what happens next, verse 13. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace on those to those on whom his favor rests. See, this isn't just heaven breaking through. No, this is heaven taking over. The night sky is filled with a whole host of angels, literally thousands, Luke tells us. And yet, while it's easy to get caught up in the hype of all these heavenly fireworks, even more important than the hype is the hope, the message of hope, hope of a heavenly peace coming to this world, our world, your world, peace on earth. Now, hold on to that word peace. We'll get back to a moment, but let's see what happens next. Verse 15. 
When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. Guess what? We're, we're back to the earthly. Right? Shepherds going and talking to other people. But this time, something is different. Something is supernatural. Something is amazing. Why? Because Jesus has now arrived and heaven has taken over. This is the message of Christmas. Now with that hope, I want to go, like I said before, back to this whole idea of peace. Because there's something we really need to understand about this proclamation of peace that this great company of angels proclaim. So back to verse 14. Glory to God in the highest heaven. This is their message. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace. Peace to those on whom his, God's favor, rests. Glory Peace. Now, I want to tell you why this is so important, why this message of both glory and peace, why this message has meaning for us. But to do so, I'm going to have to get a little historical, not hysterical, historical on you. So indulge me for a moment. I promise it won't take too long and it's going to be worth it, okay? See, back when this happened, the angel's proclamation of glory to God and peace on earth stood in direct opposition to a different proclamation, a louder proclamation, a more visible proclamation that was happening at that time, a proclamation that was heralded about the most powerful force on earth at that time, the Roman Empire. The Roman, and we saw Luke, right, in telling us the story of Luke. He refers to the Roman Empire, right? In those days, Caesar Augustus, who is the emperor, issued a decree that a census should be taken where? In the entire Roman world. The entire Roman world. Now, what a world it was back then. Even scholars today look back at this time in history, and they marvel at this era known as Pax Romana. Pax Romana, which is just... Latin for Roman peace, right? See, back in the first century, the extent of the Roman Empire was massive. Most of Europe, some of the Middle East, some of Northern Africa. And never before in history had there been such a season of relative peace and tranquility and stability over so much of the globe. Never before in history. This is Pax Romana, Roman peace. And yet here's the thing about the peace of Caesar Augustus and all the other Caesars who ruled over the Roman Empire. See, their peace came at a price. And that price was power. That price was compliance. That price was subjugation. So as long as you stayed in line, did what you were told, and gave glory to Caesar, you could partake in that peace. Well, let me ask you a question. Is that really peace? Is that really peace? Sure, it is the absence of conflict. If you're a Roman citizen back in the first century, you didn't have to fear invading foreign armies, right? 
No, actually, Rome in all its brutal and efficient power would run over anyone and anything that stood in its way. After all, think about it, the Romans were the ones who invented crucifixion, right? But see, true peace is so much more than just the absence of conflict. No, true peace is also the presence. The presence of freedom and joy and love and respect and compassion and anything else that nourishes our soul. It's what the Old Testament prophets described as shalom. Shalom, where the lion lies down with the lamb. Where swords are beaten into plowshares, the prophets tell us. And so as powerful as Rome was back then, they could never provide this kind of peace to our world and to our lives. And yet there is and was and will always be someone else who can. The promised Messiah the descendant of David, the son of the Most High, the one who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, carried by the Virgin Mary, born in a Bethlehem stable and laid in a lowly manger. His name is Jesus. And when Jesus came into this conflicted world of ours, he brought with him this supernatural and heavenly peace from above with the mission, what? To bring the glorious to the gruesome, to bring the perfect into the problematic. So with Rome, you know, theirs was a peace that had to be enforced from the outside in. But with Jesus, he offers a peace that is meant to be experienced from the inside out. Not a peace enforced, but a peace experienced. That's why upon the birth of Jesus, thousands of angels were right to proclaim glory to God in the highest heaven and on on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Why? Because heaven is taking over because of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, because he entered our world. And as we know from Scripture, Christmas is just the start of Jesus' mission of peace. Because from that birth came a perfect life. From that perfect life came a powerful ministry. From that powerful ministry came a sacrificial death. And from that sacrificial death came a victorious resurrection where every enemy that you and I will ever face in this life, including death itself, was defeated by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so today you need to know that the peace of Jesus is powerful. It's powerful and yet I also want you to know that the peace of Jesus is personal. Personal. And so as I begin to wind down, I want to tell you what that personal peace means for each one of us here today. First, this is what I want to say, that the peace of Jesus is meant to be experienced personally. Experienced personally. So trust Jesus as your Savior. See, I think it's safe to say that everyone who goes through this tumultuous world of ours, that we all want to experience peace. The question is, where are we going to look to find it? So 2,000 years ago, many people thought that peace would be provided by Pax Romana, Roman peace, and all that the powerful Roman Empire could provide. And yet here we are, looking back at history, 2018, 2,000 years later, and we know what? That it wasn't a lasting peace, that the Roman Empire, that all that it promised no longer stands. It's not a true peace. It's not a lasting peace. It didn't last 
forever. And yet, are we really any smarter today in our pursuit of peace? That instead of Pax Romana, we look to Pax Americana and all that our culture promises will bring us peace. That we can find true peace in patriotism and military strength. That we can find true peace in materialism and the security of more stuff. That we can find true peace in romanticism and the illusion of a perfect partner. Or that we can find true peace in hedonism and the rush of the next great thrill. And on and on it goes, but the sad thing is, many of us know from painful firsthand experience that none of these things can deliver on what they promise when it comes to true and lasting and prevailing peace. They can't and they won't, but I am here to tell you that the kind of peace that our hearts long for can only be found in Jesus Christ. That's why he is called the Prince of Peace. His was a mission of peace, And his was a message of peace. Look at the way the Apostle Paul describes it. In the New Testament book of Colossians chapter 1. Now this is Paul talking about the mission of Jesus from a big picture, cosmic, eternal perspective. So not just us as people, but the world we inhabit. Paul says this, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, speaking of Jesus. And that through him, through Jesus, what was his mission? to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And how did he do that? By making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Peace through his blood shed on the cross. A mission of reconciliation, a mission of restoration, a mission of reunification. This is why Jesus came to our world, that here he is, that this young baby grows up to be an adult, to take on our sin, our selfishness, and everything else that separates us from the God who created us and the God we're meant to love with all our hearts, right? And Jesus died to bridge the gulf, to pay the penalty for the sin that was ours, by shedding his blood on, our, on the cross, he became our substitute. And so by dying in our place, peace with God is possible because of him. Now, for some of us here as Christians who worship Jesus as our Lord, we know this peace, don't we? We experience this peace because our faith, our trust, our hope is solely in Jesus and no one else and nothing else, including ourselves, right? We look to him. It is a true peace for now, and it is a prevailing peace forever. Now, that's not to say that we as Christians don't have our ups and downs in life, because we do. There are times when we get anxious. There are times when we feel afraid. But the roller coaster of our emotions doesn't change the reality of our peace. Maybe you walked in these doors anxious today and you need to know that the roller coaster of our emotions, right? They don't change the reality of our peace. No, whatever may frighten us, disturb us, rattle us, us, upset us, right? Jesus is greater. He's greater. But then I also realized for the hundreds of us gathered here today that some of you may not know Jesus in a personal way as your Savior, 
Maybe what I've shared in this message today is brand new to you. You've never heard Christmas talked about in such a personal and relevant way before. Or maybe you know something about Jesus, right? You know the facts of the Christmas story. You know the facts of the Easter story that it's all up here in your head, but it's never made this way down to your heart, right? Listen, today can change all that because today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. That today, on the cross of Calvary, a Savior has died because of you. And today, from an empty tomb, a Savior has risen for you. This is the hope, this is the peace of Jesus. All so that you could be reconciled with your God both now and forever. And discover that peace that you have been searching for all of your life. All of your life. Today, that peace can be yours because that Savior can be yours, Jesus Christ. The Bible says that becoming a Christian is not what we can do for God, but it's what God has already done for us and placing our wholehearted faith and trust in Jesus to be that Savior, to be that Prince of Peace for you. That's ultimately a commitment, a decision that you make between you and God. And it's something you can make this morning. But let me also tell you this. We'd love to help you out in the journey, right? If you've got questions, talk to us. If you want someone to pray with, talk to us, right? Because that's why we're here. Not just Christmas, but 52 weeks of the year. Because it all starts with Jesus and we love to help you along the journey with him, right? So because the peace of Jesus is meant to be experienced personally, may we trust and continue to trust in Jesus as our Savior. But then second, the peace of Jesus is meant to be expressed passionately. So live as a peacemaker. The peace of Jesus is meant to be expressed passionately, so live as a peacemaker. Experienced personally, expressed passionately. See, life as a Christian doesn't end when we come to experience the peace of Jesus in our lives. No, it just begins. And one of the ways we live out our faith in Jesus Christ is to be a people of peace. The church, we are meant to be a peace, people of peace both within and beyond the four walls of this building. I think of the words of Jesus himself, right? From his most famous message ever, the Sermon on the Mount. At the, the very beginning of that message, in chapter 5, in a section known as the Beatitudes, verse 9, Jesus says this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Right? That is our calling. That is our mission. For those of us who know Jesus as Savior and follow him as Lord, we are called to be peacemakers. We're in this messy world of ours, in this divided culture of ours. We are sent out not to hate, but to heal. We are sent out not to escalate the tension, but to alleviate the tension. 
See, I don't know about you, but all the name calling, all the finger pointing, all the rage venting that we see in our culture, it can be so wearying, it can be so discouraging, right? That it either makes you just want to give up and retreat into your shell, or even worse, to be tempted to just dive into the the fight, right? And go after everyone else because you see them as your enemy. Listen, for the church, both escaping and escalating are not options for us. No, instead, we're called to engage. Engage the people around us. Engage with the issues that affect us. And to do so with a spirit of grace and truth, just like Jesus did. Now, it's not going to be easy, and it's definitely going to be different. I mean, Jesus says, right, that if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. That the path we walk is a path of righteousness, not revenge. And so maybe this Christmas is when you step into a messy and conflicted relationship that's part of your world, your relational world. And you do so as a peacemaker. So this isn't about winning an argument or making a point, but maybe it's about issuing an apology and saying you're sorry. That for peacemakers, it's about listening more, talking less, and trying to understand where the other person might be coming from, right? This is what it means to express the peace of Jesus passionately. Now think about this, that every time we live as peacemakers, right, we not only point people to the Jesus we worship, but we also bring a little bit more of heaven into our world, which we certainly need, right? That the peace of Jesus is meant to be expressed passionately, so live as a peacemaker. The message heralded 2,000 years ago is the message that's heralded today. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And as I close, I just want to share one more passage with you. Actually, it's not a passage. It's a prayer. And it's not just any prayer. It's the prayer we know as the Lord's Prayer. That when Jesus wanted to teach his disciples both then and now how to pray, he thought it best that we should start with these words, with this kind of attitude. This is what he says. Our Father, where? In heaven. Hallowed be your name, or, or, or essentially glory to your name, right? God, what do I want to see happen? I want to see your name glorified. Not only that, I want to see your kingdom come. And I want your will to be done where on earth as it is in heaven. Taking the perfect and the imperfect. Bringing them together in what we say, in what we do, in how we live. That's our calling. Heavenly Father, that just as you broke through when you sent your Son into our world to be our Savior, just as heaven took over when you raised your Son from the dead, may your name be hallowed in all that I say and do, right? Lord, help me to live as a peacemaker, should be our prayer, so that your kingdom may come, that your will may be done on earth as it is in heaven, a little more each day through me, and through this church, right? Oh, Lord, make this our prayer. Lord, make this our passion. Make this our purpose so that your peace will prevail on earth 
as it is in heaven, always and forever. Let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you for heaven on earth. Thank you that these two worlds did not stay separate. But in your perfect wisdom and in your infinite love, you sent your son Jesus into this world. In very miraculous and very natural ways. And that through this incarnation, there's a Savior who is like us, who dies for us, so that we could call you our God, our Father, and be reconciled to you. God, my prayer for everyone here is that we would experience the peace of Jesus personally. That there would be a time, maybe it is today, where we trust you, Jesus, as our Savior. And for those of us who know you in this way, Jesus, that we would keep on trusting in you and no one else. But beyond this experience, there would also be an expression, a passionate expression that we would live as peacemakers, that we would not just stay huddled, cloistered up within the four walls of a church, but that we would be sent out in mission to proclaim the greatest news ever, glory to God in the highest and on on earth peace to those on whom your favor rests, a favor, a grace that comes from Jesus Christ. So fill us up, send us out, that we would live lives as shepherds proclaiming the greatest news ever in all that we say, in all that we do, in all that we live. In your name, Jesus. Amen. So we've been filled up, and before we're sent out, let's adore him together for a few moments. Let's stand, friends.
And what a way to proclaim the hope we have in Jesus through a song of worship like that. You know, I love that simple chorus, come let us adore him, because worship is ultimately a matter of the heart. And it is with our heart that we adore Jesus Christ. Next week, we'll continue our series, Heaven on Earth. But as you go from here, may the peace of Jesus flood your heart so that you may live joyful and triumphant. God bless you.